hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, recently I was in a conversation with someone who had connections with people in my hometown. Now, some of you know I grew up in Lacombe, which is basically the Bible Belt of Alberta. And this person was telling me that they know of a church where the church is meeting in what used to be a car dealership. My first thought was, sheesh, when I was a kid, I would walk around the streets of Lacombe and I would count all the churches and think, there's enough churches for every street in town. What do we need another one in a car dealership for? Well, we're in the week of prayer for Christian unity. And this is a week that we observe every year. When we, we pray for the unity of the church, when we look around at the worldwide church and see all the divisions fragmented into all these different denominations, and we lament, we lament the state of the church, the church that is supposed to be one. Right? Uh, later in the service, we'll say the creed, and in the creed we say we believe in one church. Well, it sure doesn't look like it when you walk down the street. We lament this because it doesn't do justice to the story of God that we have in Jesus and in the scriptures. It doesn't do justice to a God who is the creator of all, who calls us to be the salt of the earth, not just the salt of a little part of the earth over here, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, that God's work and God's purposes are universal, they're inclusive, and they're meant to draw together, not pull apart. And yet we look at the state of the church and we say, it's not what it should be. It's not what it should be. Well, we look at the church and we say it's not what it should be. We look at the world and we say it's not what it should be either. And Jesus says in wonderful poetic ways in the reading we had that the world is not what it should be. We heard the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn. If we've been in church for a while, we've heard those words many, many times, and maybe they don't hit us quite as hard as they might be because of the familiarity. But what is Jesus saying? Blessed are the meek? Blessed are those who mourn? When I go on social media, I see hashtag blessed. I have not seen a whole bunch of people whining and crying. They're showing that they're living their best life now, right? Blessed is having a great car. Blessed is going on a great vacation. Blessed is when I make my life look like it's everything I want it to be. But it's not, is it? Life isn't exactly what we want it to be. It's not as it should be. And so when I think about the church, the way it's fragmented into all these different denominations, I wonder why. Why is it that the church is split? And there's some petty reasons. Uh, I know of a denomination that's split because of a dispute over publishing rights. There are good reasons churches split, too. Just a couple of years ago, the United Methodist Church split over debates about same-sex marriage. And they decided they couldn't stay together anymore. Two sides of the church wanted to go in very different directions, and they said, you know what, we just need to split so we can go the way we feel God is calling us. That's a pretty legitimate split. 
Sometimes it happens a bit more organically. So you know the Methodist movement came out of the Anglican Church in England in the 18th century. John and Charles Wesley were both Anglican priests, and they looked around at their church experience in the Anglican Church and said, you know, this is a bit dry. Maybe we can find a bit more flavor, a bit more spice. Maybe we can find a bit more Holy Spirit in our church. And so they started doing church a little bit differently, where they would meet in smaller groups and, uh, and talk about their faith in deep ways together and ask questions. What's prayer like for you? Are you experiencing God in your life? Um, and this organically grew into the Methodist movement, something separate from Anglicanism. But of course, we Anglicans still want to claim John and Charles Wesley for our own. Because all good things at least began Anglican. Or they end up Anglican, somehow or other. There's a conservative strand in our DNA, both as, as Christians and also as humans, right? Uh, we do need some level of stability in our lives to survive and to thrive. But there's also a strand in our DNA, our spiritual DNA, that pushes against the status quo. And in our reading this morning, we have Jesus pushing against the status quo. The blessed life might not look exactly like we think it does, or wanted to, and it does demand something of us. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers. Sometimes peace has to be fought for. Sometimes we have to push against the system to make peace. Sometimes we have to do things that don't look very peaceful to get to peace. And there's a call to action. So Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, salt and light are good things, but they don't just exist for their own good. They exist to make better everything they touch. So when you're cooking, you put a little salt in the dish, right? And it brings up the flavors that are already in the food that you're cooking, right? You put in a little salt, and you're not tasting just salt, you're tasting the great flavor of the meat and the veg that you're cooking with light. A light's a good thing, but it's not just meant to be stared at. It's meant to illuminate everything around it. I was doing a bit of reading of light. I came on this reflection from Rebecca Absbright, who is a, a seminary professor at an Anglican seminary, of course. And she reflects on the qualities of light. I want to read her reflection. Because light can be different from other quantities. If we were in a small, heated room in a large, cold building, we want to take care to make sure that the doors close, lest the heat leak out into the hallway and dissipate to the point of no longer being useful for those of us in the room. Imagine that someone in the cold hallway knocks on the door and asks that we keep it open so they can share the heat. That would be a foolish thing to agree to. We'd be better to invite the person into the room to share its warmth. Now change it from heat to light. Imagine the temperature is no longer the issue. Imagine that our room is the only one in the building with working lights. Now someone in the hallway 
open the door and let the light out. No need to hesitate. Whatever light is in the room will not diminish perceptibly. Uh, there might be some uh, fancy instruments sensitive enough to notice how much less light there is in the room, but we sure wouldn't notice. Unlike heat or air conditioned air, or food, or money, or nearly anything else, light can be shared with no diminution to those doing the sharing. We can share the light and lose nothing. Isn't that wonderful that Jesus calls us to be light in the world, light that doesn't exist for its own sake, but gives off benefit to everything around, and that in sharing that light, we lose absolutely nothing because God can give us abundantly far more than we need to do it. I think that's a wonderful reflection on light. So this week of prayer for Christian unity, we lament, we lament the splits in the church, but we're also reminded that there's something in those splits that's part of our DNA that pushes against the status quo. Maybe the status quo we push against is the split in the church. But there are lots of things in this world that Jesus wants to push against the status quo and say, it's not what it could be. It's not what it should be. It's not what it will be. But why don't you come along and help, help it to become what it should be? So this week we pray for the church. And we pray for the church to live into the unity which is God's desire for it, which is God's gift to it, which is not for its own sake, but for the sake of the healing of the world. Amen.